episode two, back to back. What do you know? Yeah. Um, cool. Let's talk about some flies. We did rods last time. Um, yep. Flies are probably the most confusing, hard to navigate part of fly fishing. Would you agree? Right. right. Yeah, uh, they definitely are. And honestly, the biggest overall tip I can give to anyone that's looking to get into the sport of fly fishing is to understand ecology and understand river ecology specifically. It, it, it's really easy to start. Just look up the life cycle of these flies that you're using for fly fishing. And you'll see, you know, they start off as nymphs and then there's, there's flies to mimic every life stage ending with dry flies. And I think that that's like probably the easiest way to understand the why behind what you're doing a lot easier is to just look up and understand the ecology of entomology and also the ecology of just, you know, not even like the river itself, but just the habitat of where the fish live. Um, so let, let me ask you a quick question real quick. Yeah. Um, last time we talked a bit about my background as a gear fisherman. Right. So let me ask you, uh, I can put on a small Panther Martin spinner. I can yeah. throw it any time of day, 365 yep. days um, right. a year, and it will always catch me a trout. So like, yeah. what? why why do I want to fly fish? Like, why do I want to make this so much harder on myself than just clipping yeah. my little Panther Martin and catching tons of trout? Yeah, and I mean, look, I, I when I was growing up as a kid, it was mainly in like deep, deep lakes, but I've been with friends that have spin fish for trout and that kind of stuff. And if, you know, you're trolling at 50 feet of depth or something like that, it, it's completely different than fly fishing. You know, probably work better than fly fishing unless you want to do full sink line and everything. You can fly fish anywhere. It's just going to be a little bit harder in some of those habitats. The best thing about fly fishing is one, it's it's difficult to do and you feel so successful when you use all of your skills between the ecology, your basic knowledge of casting, you know, the time of day and, you know, what the fish might be eating to catch a fish. There's, there's no feeling of success like catching a fish on a fly rod because it is so difficult in some instances and it is so rewarding. So Two, the draw, yeah, the draw, I guess, is, is understanding the environment. Right, right, right. And it's just fun. I mean, casting a fly rod and then also fighting a fish on a fly rod is, in my opinion, more fun than fighting a, a trout on like a spinning rod or something like that. Even the ultra light ones, right? Like fighting a fish on a fly rod is just, there's something different about it, you know? And then three, like, I guess watching a trout hit a dry fly and come all the way out of the water, sometimes jumping completely out and then going back down, taking it back on the way down. There's nothing that cool. Like I, trust me, I, I've done a lot of fishing before in my life and I've, I've caught big salmon and steelhead and, you know, even, you know, some, some surf fish and uh, marine fish. There's nothing as cool as watching a trout come all the way out of the water to take your fly and then go back down with it and just start fighting and holding in fast moving water. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. I think the dry flies are definitely something special. Uh, right. For me personally, like if I am going to use a wet fly, like for me, I kind of like both gear fishing and fly fishing. If I'm going to be using wet flies anyways, to me, it just feels really similar. And I'm definitely not like a fly purist, but right. I will totally agree with you. The dry flies, like some of my most memorable moments have been traveling right. up to take a dry fly. 
Right, right. And I think that like nymph fishing is different because it still requires all of those same techniques and everything. You're fishing on a fly rod. Um, a lot of times what I'll do if I'm going to fish wet flies, I don't do a lot of your own nymphing. I don't do a lot of wet fly fishing purely with like an indicator or something like that. What I usually do is I tie on a dropper to a really large foam hopper pattern like hopper dropper is a saying that you'll hear forever um, throughout the late part of summer if you get into fly fishing. And it just essentially means tying on a big foam dry fly and tying on some additional tippet, usually about like a foot and a half, and then tying on a nymph. And so if a fish hits the nymph, you'll see the dry fly go down and it'll kind of work as like a bobber or an indicator. And then you have two chances at catching a fish to hit it on the dry fly or the wet fly, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, no, I can definitely understand how coming from a world of, you know, throwing on a spoon and catching fish, uh, the, the whole entomology of fly fishing seems very confusing, you know, and it took me a long time to even get it. And I grew up around it, honestly. So, so what I was doing wrong at first is when I go to the store to buy gear, like yeah. or whatever, I'm kind of looking at the action, like how it's going to move the color. Um, right. And I'm thinking like, oh, this is a good lure. It should work for me. Right, uh, right. Whereas fly fishing, you could be using a great fly and yeah. you could literally not get a bite. So I'd like to do, can we go like kind of season by season? Let's start in the winter, sure. January. Um, what kind of flies are we looking at? Is it totally seasonal? And how does like time of day play into this? Yeah. So it, it, it really depends on where you are and I'm not an expert at fishing everywhere. I'm an expert, you know, at, at a very niche area of that and that niche area I know really well, but I'll do my best to kind of expound upon that and uh, start there. Also just another tangent. Um, one of my favorite stories about Nick and I'm, I'm not meaning to, to mess with you right oh, now, no, 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 but I told, I think, you know, what story I'm going to bring up. It's a, uh, I do you know which one I want to talk about? No, I actually don't. <laughs> Nick was just getting into fly fishing. And he was telling me that, you know, he wasn't catching any fish on a dry fly during the middle of winter. And I told him, oh, you need nymphs. And he uh, I he didn't want to tell me that he didn't know what that meant at the time or how to fish nymphs. So he goes to the store, he buys some nymphs and uh, he goes to his fly shop and he brings them back. And he said, yeah, man, I still wasn't catching any on nymphs. I don't know why. And I said, well, how are you fishing them? And he said, well, I put fly floating on them and I cast them out. And I was uh, just like, Nick, Nick, <laughs> they're called wet flies for a reason, man. So we got a, uh, we, <laughs> but they're all in the water. They're all wet. <laughs> yeah, you don't want those ones to float. I'm sure it would work. Honestly, in some cases you have emergers that are supposed to be halfway in between a wet fly and a dry fly, which is probably what it looks emergers. like. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's a good question. Let's start off with winter. Winter time in Oregon, honestly, most of the rivers are closed to trout fishing. There are some that are definitely open to it, but it's it's I'd say the majority of rivers are closed to trout fishing. If you do go trout fishing, definitely double check and make sure that it's legal to do so on the river that you're going to. Um, and if you're going to go fishing, you're mainly going to be using nymphs. Now that's just for, for residential trout. If you're going for steelhead, that's something entirely different. If you're going for steelhead, you're going to want to swing streamers. That's that's what it's called. Essentially, you go to your local fly shop. I, I'm not knowledgeable enough about the names of the flies, but mainly it's just big streamers, bright colors. So you go to a fly shop and you say, hey, I'm going you know, steelhead fishing on this river. They'll set you up with the flies that you need. 
Um, and I just, I honestly don't know enough about the names of those flies to speak to that, but you know, they're, they're mostly supposed to mimic bait fish or just make the steelhead mad. And what you're going to do is you're going to cast it out there at a 45 degree angle, let it drift all the way down and then start stripping it in. And that's, that's what you do for, um, for steelhead. And you can use a full sinking line, a sinking tip line or something like that, just to weigh it down and get it down the water. Column. And are you going to tie an attractor fly onto that streamer ever? You are not. You, there are ways. I, I'm sure that there are some ways that people, you know, especially for trout, I've seen people tie uh, like kind of a hopper pattern, a really big hopper pattern, and then tie a dropper of a streamer and kind of skate the hopper pattern back in, which means basically just stripping in a dry fly on top of the water to make it look like it's skating across the top mm-hmm. and, um, you know, having a streamer behind that, which would work. But I, I that's like the very, very, very minute you know, percentage of people that do that in some instances, most of the time with streamers, you either want to strip it out to a place and then pull it through a hole where you think a trout is holding. Usually during the summer, that's what works really well, um, where you strip it through. Cause if it's warmer during the summer, the water will be warmer. They'll have more energy to chase it during the winter. Most of the time you're just going to dead drift, which is essentially you cast out a nymph with an indicator on it, or if you're your own nymphing, you know, you just cast out the nymph and then you let it float all the way down. And it's really funny because it's the exact opposite of fishing for a lure. You don't want it to move at all. Trout are lazy and you need to put it right in front of their face, especially during the winter when they're trying to conserve energy because there's not a ton of food. The water's really cold. They're not going to chase it. So you need to put it right in front of their nose if they're going to take it most of the time. I'm sure that there are some differences. There are some waters that maintain, you know, a decent water temperature all year, but I'm just saying 90% of the time during the winter, you're going to want to dead drift nymphs, maybe some streamers or soft hackle flies through that area to trout. Sounds good. Yeah. Spring and summer. It's warming up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So spring and summer is where it really starts. Spring is a good time to start seeing hatches of really small flies. You know, you've flies called March Browns and there's a reason that they're called March Browns. It's, that's really early season kind of stuff that you'll see. March Browns are a great fly to have in your fly box. I put together a list of like, well, let me count. I guess it's the eight top flies that I would put in my fly box and they aren't on there specifically because there are other flies that are, that are attractor patterns that will kind of imitate them. But March Browns are what you usually see really early in the season. And then you kind of like gradually get larger and larger dry flies until you get, you know, big salmon flies and caddis later on in the summer. Um, but that's really the start of dry fly season. What you really have to watch for here, especially in Oregon, is runoff. You know, the Mackenzie River, for instance, got uh, a, a lot of runoff this year and was super high. I was, I was on it this year. And um, as snow starts melting, those, those streams that are influenced by snow will be running a lot higher. And fishing a dry fly won't work because it's going to be super fast moving current. And honestly, most of the time, I would just probably try and find a different place to fish. Or, uh, you know, if you really want to fish those rivers, you're going to have to definitely get your flies down in the water column, mostly be nymphing or streamer fishing, maybe if it's a little bit warmer. Um, but yeah, so that's that's early spring. Later in spring, uh, it's, it's definitely where you start to see some of the prolific hatches. Uh, I know that there's a Mother's Day hatch on the Deschutes that's super, super famous. Um, and that's kind of when you start getting into a lot of those prolific dry fly hatches where all the fun starts. Right. So if it's the morning time and you're not seeing as many bugs out, are we still nymphing? And then later when it warms up and there's a hatch 
Uh, like how's how's that work? Are there hatches in the morning and the night? Yeah, yeah. So there are always generally the best times of the day to fish are before it gets really hot in the middle of the day. Um, in the morning, you're going to see some of the more delicate flies, like mayflies, for instance. Usually have a pretty prolific hatch in the morning and in the evening as well. Um, the tail ends of the day in low light conditions are usually the best for fishing dry flies. Um, during the middle of the day, especially if it's really hot, one, um, measure the water temperature, carry a thermometer with you. And if it's so hot that the fish, there's there's a lot of guidelines online. You can look and see what temperature should I not fish for trout if the water is over the certain temperature, because it starts harming the fish um, to, to bring them out of the water and also to have them expend that energy. They get a much higher mortality rate. So just be cognizant of that if it's during the middle of the summer. Um, but if you are fishing during the middle of the summer and uh, you, you want to fish during the middle of the day when it's warm outside, the best things that usually work are yes, nymphing definitely works um, during the middle of the day when there's there's sun on the water. Streamers work really well that time of year as well, um, especially if there's a lot of sun on the water. And then uh, terrestrials actually, and terrestrials are just you know grasshoppers, ants, beetles, that kind of stuff. Um, that's when grasshoppers really shine. They're falling into the water a lot during that time of day, especially on windier days where there'll be trout that'll be waiting underneath these tall grasses for grasshoppers to fall in to eat. Perfect. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. I haven't used uh, any terrestrials before, but I've seen people bass fishing with like the big mouse flies. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's entirely more about that. So I know we're pretty focused on trout, but just briefly, right. what are people doing when they take these mice that are this big? Yeah, and throw them on top of the water. Yeah, so they're just they're they're going for trophy trout and honestly rainbows brown trout brown trout are a little bit more aggressive um, than rainbow trout from what I understand uh, they'll they'll eat those kind of like large protein rich meals and they'll they'll go for mice I mean obviously you're not going to catch any like moderate to small size fish on them because they're not going to be big enough to even fit it in their mouth but you know I know for instance the White River down in Arkansas I believe there's a lot of nighttime fishing that goes on where they're mousing for brown trout and they're just skating it across the top of the water to mimic a mouse swimming in the water. And you'll catch 30 inch brown trout on that. And I mean, like that's kind of the extreme, right? I've, I've caught fish on mouse flies in Oregon before the Deschutes I know is good for mouse fly fishing and that kind of stuff. And that's, that's kind of different than a wet fly or a streamer or a dry fly. It's kind of like skating a fly and it's like, it's it in its own class. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but that's a great question. Honestly, I haven't done that much mouse fly fishing. It's something that I really want to do because I've I've heard it's just absolutely phenomenal to watch these giant fish come up and take this mouse, you know, thinking that they're getting a gigantic meal. Um, I'm sure that works well in lakes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're probably right about that too. And I think that um, I, I don't do that much stillwater fishing, honestly. But I think that that would probably be a pretty good tactic to start off with if you're new to it as well. That is a question I'll ask you later. But before we get to that, uh, fall, right. late summer, yeah. fall, this is peak trout season, right? Yeah, yeah. So honestly, anytime from May through, gosh, the end of September, even mid-October, just depending on the conditions, is is, is really what peak trout season is. Um you know, there's, there's some areas that are very famous for their fall fly fishing. Uh, this is where streamers shine. There are still some big hatches, you know, but once rain starts coming into the system and everything, this is where streamers absolutely shine. And this is where you get big fish migrating back into the system to spawn. 
um, falls where there will be a lot of fish that will come up and start spawning. Sea run cutthroats will start coming up the river and everything after the first big rain. And this is where if you want to go after trophy trout on streamers, this is your time of year, you know? So what I'm hearing for each season, the word that keeps coming up is streamer. Is that your four season fly type? Yeah, if if you want to fish all four seasons streamers, wintertime, I would definitely go with a nymph probably just because, you know, it's an easier meal. And I think that trout aren't necessarily chasing bigger, you know, bait fish or anything like that. But every other season during the year, streamers will definitely work really well. And so if you're just looking for some flies that you can use in almost any condition, it, it doesn't get much better than a woolly bugger and a muddler minnow, which are the two streamers that I added out of the eight of my like essential flies in my fly box. And so woolly buggers are meant to kind of mimic like leeches and all that kind of stuff. And muddler minnows are mostly like supposed to mimic sculpins, crayfish, all that kind of stuff. They're really, really versatile. And if you were just going to pick out two streamers, those would be my two go-to and you can fish those almost any river in Oregon, any time of year and catch a fish. So I guess to kind of sum it up, what we have is for dry flies, we're setting those on top of the water and waiting for the fish to come up and take it. If right. you're in a river, you can find a run and you can drift it down the run and right. kind of refloat it back up. Um, yep. Nymphs, we're dead floating them. So you don't want any tension on the line. You want to mend right. your line uh, so that it looks like it's totally free floating. And then the yep. streamer is more similar to a lure. You're going to cast yep. it out and just pull it right back in. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Unless it's for steelhead, then you kind of get the dead drift and the it's called swinging a fly. Right. You get that with a lot of soft hackle too, um, which is a whole different discussion. But um, I think for the most part, that's definitely right. I can get into some of the more specific, like my eight must have flies for your fly box if you're just starting off fly fishing. If you want I know to. you mentioned you don't do a lot of still water. I don't yeah. either. Right. Um, so I know for sure you can fish dry flies on the lake. You kind of just right. find where the fish are, set the fly over there, or you can do streamers. Yeah. How would you fish nymphs or do they have to be drifting or can you just no. put on a bobber and, or a, yeah. I know you, can, you call it an indicator in fly fishing. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, you can Very definitely different. fish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just, I think the infighting in between, you know, nymphing and dry fly fishing and streamer people. And then also just like lure traditional fishermen and fly fishermen is so funny. I mean, we're all out there to catch fish, have fun and be in nature. And I just don't, don't get the infighting, honestly, like we're, it's, it's kind of a spectrum, right? I mean, like everyone. I especially don't understand it because I honestly don't have a strong preference between yeah. fly fishing and gear fishing. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I get that. And it's just even growing up fly fishing my entire life. It's just like, Hey man, if you're out there, you know, like using a lure or something like that, like I get bait fishing because the fish tend to swallow it a little bit deeper. Right. It's a higher it's mortality fishing. maybe, but they're out there having fun too. You know, it's just like, yeah. as long as someone's out there in nature having fun, especially as like with my background as an ecologist and a conservationist, like I'm just happy that people are out there and like, are developing a passion for the same things that I have a passion about. Cause that leads to more conservation, no matter what setup they're using. Right. Like, yeah. And to be, and to be clear, the reason I don't bait fish is because, um, I have a lot of lures and I don't like storing worms in my home or buying right. them regularly. Uh, I mean, um, I know the regulations are set such that it allows bait fishing and they're set with the intention that people can bait fish and conserve 
the environment and exactly the fishery. Exactly. And I know that different state organizations go to great lengths to set those regulations so that uh, bait fishing is allowed and is, is a good way to fish. Right. And like, look, I, the barriers to entry are the other thing too. Fly fishing is expensive. No matter which way you roll it, you can get a much cheaper bait fishing or lure fishing setup than a fly fishing setup. And I, I, I'm sure that there are people that will say, oh, well, you can buy, you know, this really cheap rod second. Like, yeah, if, if you're really set on fly fishing, you can get into it. It's a lot harder to do. It takes a lot more money to get started with it. And it's a lot more specialty than, you know, grabbing a spinning rod, casting it out there with, you know, a lure on it or something like that and catching fish. It's a lot easier to learn and there's a lot less barriers to entry. And I think if you're just getting started in fishing, like, obviously I, I think fly fishing is, you know, the way to go. I'm biased, but, you know, I, I can see why a lot of people get into it with lure fishing because it's a lot easier to do without someone teaching you. You don't have to hire a guide or go to casting clinics or something like that. It's, it's a lot easier to get into. I think as you develop as a fisherman, people start wanting more of a challenge and get into fly fishing more um, or the people that, you know, just if pique their interest, get into it from the start. But I can definitely see why a lot of people start off with that. And I think that no matter what, if you're on the water, having a fun time out there and, you know, being a part of the community, I think that it's great no matter what setup you're using, you know, for sure. Yeah. I guess to kind of bring it back to the fly conversation, I'm going right. to ask you just a few questions that I think a total beginner would ask. Sure, sure. Um, so, nap swivels. Why are we not putting connecting flies to a snap swivel? Yeah, so I, I think that's mainly because um, a couple of reasons. One, it's additional weight that's going to be harder to cast, even if it is really minimal. I mean, think of the difference in weights in between flies. Um, a fly rod is a really ultra light setup. And so any additional weight that you're using is, is probably not going to bode well for the aerodynamics of the fly. Um, in this specific instance, the position that the flies in, you can't really control because think about it, it'll be really heavy on the front and it might sink your fly underneath the water when, especially when you're using really light tippet. Um, I, I'm sure that there are people that, that use them. I, I don't think that they work well at all. And I, you know, I, I, I don't think that that's something that a lot of people, if, if you're going to go fly fishing, learn how to tie the knot to tie on a fly. It's, it's really, really simple. There's and a knot uh, tying video on our Instagram. Yeah, exactly. And it's it, all breakers. Yeah, it'll work a lot better for you. But I, I haven't seen anyone use, use swivels for, you know, putting on a fly. Along that line, um, split shot. So you can yeah. tell I grew up in, in the uh, Valley of California. Yeah. People will put split shot on a streamer and they'll just let it fall. And that's when bass hit. I'm going to keep yep. talking about bass since yep. I'm from California. Uh, yeah. Split shot. When do we use them? Can we use them for? Yeah. Camp? So this is another good conversation about like springtime when you have a lot of runoff and stuff. Um, just for, for some context, I was down in California this past year uh, in the spring, the early spring, kind of like March through the end of April. Um, and the early part of the year, they got a lot of snow up in Tahoe. Um, and me and Nick were together in Sacramento and a lot of fishing the, the kitty pond. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's another that's a whole another video. We'll get into that one another time. That's the there's a whole separate episode that we're probably gonna do on like how to find a fishing spot, and we'll we'll tell that story and maybe what not yeah, to look let's for. Do it. That's that a good episode. <laughs> um. Anyways, so uh, 
lot of the areas around Sacramento are influenced by, you know, the, the Sierra Nevada mountain range. That's really close by Tahoe's only what an hour and a half away mm. from, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Tahoe got a ton of snow this year. If you were watching the news, like absolutely buried. And there were like Jeeps emerging when the snow started to melt from like snow banks and stuff. So they got a ton of runoff on a lot of these rivers, the American, you know, the Yuba, all of those got tons of runoff. The water was super high. There's still big fish. They're just pretty deep in the water right now. And the water's moving really fast. So if you're going to be fishing that time of year, you're going to want to use a lot longer tippet or leader after your indicator and tie on some split shot or just, you know, kind of press on some split shot to make sure that your nymph or streamer, if that's what you're doing, I guess, on a river can get down in front of the trout since they don't sink very quickly. They're not weighted flies in most cases beyond just like a bead head on nymphs maybe. So you want to tie on split shot if it's really deep, fast moving water to make sure that your fly gets down quickly. Perfect. How are we picking hook sizes? If I go to a fly shop and yeah. I'm looking at their huge tray of flies, right. there's many that look exactly the same, but they're right. different sizes. Um, can you explain yeah. hook sizes for us? Sure. Yeah. So generally as a rule, the, the higher up you get in numbers, the smaller the fly. So like a size 16 fly is a lot smaller than a size eight fly. Um, the best way to pick the right fly is honestly just just ask at a fly shop don't don't buy these pre-made fly sets on amazon or you know on regular side just just go into your fly shop and ask because you're going to need a couple specific flies and if you buy these pre-made fly sets and i i maybe there are some people i've had really good experience with these um if you're buying them for a specific river sure that makes sense right but if you're just going on and typing in like fly set it, it, it's going to be hard to find the right ones for the area that you're in. And you're not going to use 90% of them. So go into the fly shop, ask them, Hey, I'm going to this river this time. What's been working They'll They're a community area. And so they'll, they'll have talked to a lot of people that went to that area and caught fish and they'll say, Oh, well, you know, we've had some success using this fly and ask them what size should I use? If you know the river you're fishing on generally smaller flies work for large and small fish. Sometimes you'll get like really small fish that'll keep on hitting it. So if you're worried about really small fish hitting your fly, um, definitely use a slightly larger fly size and also just match the hatch. If there are really big bugs out, use a bigger fly. If there are really small bugs out, use a smaller fly. Sounds good. One last question before we wrap this one up. Uh, yeah. Fly tying. Yeah. Uh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you get into it? Do you do it? Yeah. So I, I, I do, um, honestly, minimally, it's just something that I, I haven't had a ton of experience with. I, I know how to tie some patterns. I do it, you know, every once in a while, it's just not something that I'm very good at and I'm still learning. And so maybe we'll do some videos with me kind of like learning along the way, how to tie some new fly patterns and stuff. My dad grew up doing it. Um, and back then it, 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 it wasn't as economical to buy these flies that are produced now for a lot cheaper than the materials to tie them. Um, it's, it's like a whole different experience, uh, that you need to learn aside from fly fishing. It's really fun. A lot of people love it. And there's, there's a sense of reward when you catch a fish on a fly that you tied. Um, but the majority of the time, especially if you're just starting off fly fishing, it's more economical to buy them. And then once you start getting really deeply into it, it's going to take some investment into a fly tying setup, but you can definitely get into it. And it's another really fun thing to do, especially during the winter. If you're waiting for, you know, trout season to come around again in Oregon, 
Um, you want me to cover like the 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 other must-have flies in your fly box really quick? Yeah, let's go through them. What do you, what okay. do you have in your fly box? Cool. So we'll we'll start off with the streamers, Wooly Bugger and Muddler Minnow. These are just two classic favorites. And like, like I said, you know, um they're they're imitating smaller bait fish that the larger fish in the system are actively chasing. They're fantastic. You can use them almost any time of year on any body of water. And the woolly bugger and muddler minnow in specific will work just about anywhere. Like if you go out of state and you go to a new river that you've never fished before, bring those with you. Give them a try. They'll probably work. Um, related, let's go talk through some of the dry flies. The parachute atoms. If you see any of the videos of me catching a fish on our Instagram, on my Instagram, 90 8% of the time it will be on a parachute atoms. I love this fly. I use it as the first or second fly that I tie on during the day, period. I mean, it, it, it catches fish and uh, it catches fish, not only in Oregon, but just about any place in the Western, maybe even Eastern United States. I haven't done a ton of fun, a ton of fishing on, um, you know, the Eastern side of the United States, but from the people I've talked to, it's just, it, it's one of those must have flies and it just works. Um, so when I say that it's the second fly that I tie on, sometimes the reason is there's some very specific fisheries where I will start off my day with kind of like a chubby Chernobyl or other just big foam terrestrial pattern. Um, there are some fisheries that work really well with this, specifically, you know, on the eastern side of uh, the Cascades in Oregon and a lot of the Rocky Mountains and that kind of stuff during the late summer. Sometimes this is a go-to. Um, stimulator is another great pattern as well as an elk hair caddis. Elk hair caddis is what my dad kind of uses as his parachute atoms. It works in just about any river when there is a caddis hatch during that time of year. Summertime, this is like a go-to. Um, it's a fantastic fly and, uh, all of these flies will, will probably catch you a fish during the summer if you tie them on. Those are like the cannot go wrong you know, flies in Oregon and even beyond Oregon, if, if you're traveling out of state to go fishing for dry flies. I can definitely speak to the cast fly because when we went out with your dad on the McKenzie, I think you yeah. had more fish than either of us on about 10% of the casts. Yeah, uh, he exactly. He manning the boat and, uh, and out fishing us. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, I, maybe we'll have to have my dad on here at some point, but he, he grew up in Eugene, which the, the McKenzie flows right by, it flows by the neighboring town called Springfield. And he absolutely knows every single hole in the Mackenzie. And unfortunately, you know, it's been absolutely devastated by wildfires recently. And we're just really saddened about that, the loss of life and the loss of ecosystem up there. Um, and the river has changed a lot since he was growing up. But even still, he can outfish me on my best days, on his worst days on, <laughs> on that river and most other rivers in all honesty too. Um, but yeah, the, the elk hair caddis works great on a lot of rivers in the Willamette Valley, west and even east. I mean, it's just, it's a great fly. And then last but not least, the wet flies that I usually use again, I, I'm, I'm not very experienced with your own nymphing and I'm not going to try and speak a lot to nymphing because it's just not something that I do as much. Um, but if I'm tying on a dropper to a hopper pattern, it's usually a pheasant tail nymph or a copper john. Um, those are the two that I always have in my fly box. The others kind of ebb and flow. There's also zebra midges, Zebra midges are great. And then there's kind of the, um, I think it's called Pat's rubber legs. Uh, those are fantastic as well, especially, you know, um, earlier in the year. And, uh, you know, if I was, if I was just going to put together a fly box for someone that's been fishing, 
um, one or two times and it's just getting into fly fishing. Those are really the eight bugs that I would put in their fly box. And I can just repeat them again. We'll put a description down in the comments or something, but it's a parachute Adams, elk hair caddis, chubby Chernobyl, stimulator pattern for the dry flies, pheasant tail nymph, copper john for the wet flies, and then for the streamer, a woolly bugger and muddler minnow. And uh, for sizes, go ask your fly shop. I uh, It, it kind of differs depending on the river, but those are the eight flies that I would start off with. It'll save you a ton of money um, by doing that over a pre-made kit, and you can go in and start talking to your local fly shop. And the more that you show up there, the more that you'll be a part of the community and the more intel that they'll want to give you as well. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's wrap this one up. Maybe our next episode will be on fishing spots. Yeah. 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 Or even just like basic tips for beginners and that kind of stuff. Too. Yeah, for sure. Cool.